well, let's pray. Uh, Lord God, thank you that you are our great, good Father. Uh, thank you that you love us more than we can possibly imagine. And that's a wonderful thing. I pray now as we think about this uh, story of the cleansing of the temple, that you will come and uh, cleanse us, our thoughts, our feelings, the inclinations of our heart, our will. Cleanse us from any, anything and everything that uh, dehumanizes and distracts us from you. And then rebuild us and renew us in the power of your spirit. And we ask this in your name, Lord. Amen. Uh, so, <laughs> here's a question for you. Why on earth do you think I got you talking about your best experience in a hotel? We all need a holiday. It's parent heaven? Oh, to compare it to heaven. Yes, well, and what, what metaphor is used of heaven in this text? Which you might not have picked up. And we sang about it in the second song. In my father's house, home. Okay, so what's the difference between a hotel and your family home or your father's house? What's the difference? Sorry? It's cleaner. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, yeah, okay, it's clean up. Yep, great. No, it's just, uh, who needs filters? We're a church. <laughs> it's great. Can we just flick the little, uh, yeah, that one. Yeah, 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 great. Beautiful. Okay, what's the difference between your family home and a hotel? You leave all your crap at home. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. What about that, Nicolie? One costs you a lot and the other costs you nothing. Yeah, so let's, <laughs> well, let's think about that. For you, what do you mean? So to go to a hotel, you've got to pay. When you go home, your dad's paid or your mum's paid. <laughs> they bought it. They paid for it. They clean it or not. <laughs> they stock the fridge. Uh, here's another, a, another difference. With a hotel, you have a contractual relationship, don't you? And the contract is this. Uh, they provide you with certain services, uh, quiet room, safe room, clean bed, blah, 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 infinity pool, uh, views out over the Fijian ocean, uh, horses going along the beach for you to look at, uh, beer on tap, uh, burgers, undisturbed by kids, and then you give them money. That they give you this and you give them money, right? That's a contract. And the contract has to, and you have to be able to honor your part of the contract. If you don't have enough money, they're not gonna let you in. With a family home, it's not a contractual relationship. 
What sort of relationship is it? It's a covenantal relationship. It's a covenant relationship, so it's, you know, I mean, there are limits to this because even covenants can be violated, but the essence of the covenant is the door is always open. You have access to the family home, not because of what you bring or because of what you purchase or because of how well behaved you are, but because of your relationship to the owners of the home. That's your home. The door is always open. In fact, you've probably got a key to it. And you're always welcome. That's the difference. So now you say, okay, Mark, that's lovely. What on earth does that have to do with Jesus clearing the temple? The answer is, I'm not really sure. I was just short of ideas for Father's Day. No, uh, I'm just seeing if you're still awake. Uh, the, the answer is this. As I thought about this, the essence of Jesus' beef with the temple religious leaders and authorities was that they were turning the temple into a hotel rather than a home. That is, the apparatus of the temple was starting to operate in a contractual manner and teach people that they had a contract with God rather than experiencing God as Father and coming into his home on the basis of uh, belonging to the covenant. So this, was this, this, is, this is how it happened, right? Uh, God had said to his people, hey, I'll be your God, you'll be my people, I'll be your Father, I'll adopt you, I'll make you my child. And, uh, and then God gave them uh, the sacrificial system to show them that they'd mess up and they'd stuff up, and then he gave them the temple as a symbolic place of meeting, a symbolic kind of home for people to come to say, this is where I come in and meet God. Okay, you go, yes, great. What had happened over the years was because this is how we tend to operate, is that the rulers, the religious rulers, and the people of Israel had started to think, here's how I come to God. I do what's right. I provide these sacrifices. I go through these hoops. And if I do everything right, including having the right amount of money and the right sacrifice at the right time, then maybe God will welcome me in. It's a contract. The Father's house has become a hotel whose doors are only open to those who perform the right religious observances. And what we don't see in this text so clearly, but we see in the other Gospels, the three what are called synoptic Gospels, uh, which there are in, in the synoptic Gospels, the clearing of the temple is at the end of Jesus' ministry. In John's Gospel, it's the beginning. Uh, someone might ask you about that one day, and you can say to them, well, the scholars are divided about why that is. One answer is, there were two temple cleansings. That seems to me quite a reasonable view. The other is that John and the Synoptic Gospel writers rearranged their material in order to make particular theological points in their arrangement of the material. That's also a possibility. I prefer the fact that there could be two, or three, or ten. We don't know. Two were recorded, I think. Um, in the Synoptic Gospels, not just have they turned the temple into a hotel for the Jews... 
they've set up the apparatus of buying and selling and getting the right uh, money to buy the, 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 the pigeons and the sacrifices. They've put that in the outer court, the court of the Gentiles, which means this is now a racist hotel where only the Jews can get in because the Gentiles are excluded from the temple because their place of coming to God the court of the Gentiles, has been taken over entirely to service the Jewish pilgrims of the day. And Jesus' point, and what really annoys him, is he goes, you guys have turned my father's house. That should have been a place for all the nations to come home. You've turned it into a religious, racist hotel, dependent upon the performance of certain religious duties or your ethnicity and that's uh, nothing could be further from the heart of God for all of humanity now look this may have struck in you your latent seam of anti-semitism probably has if history is any indicator why do i say that well it's easy for us to sit here and go oh yeah those jews of course they do that i mean of course the whole sacrifice no one does that anymore we'd never think of that would we ah, wait wait the tendency to relate to god contractually rather than covenantally the the tendency to turn god's home into a hotel access to which I gain by virtue of my religion or my performance. This is a tendency that is very deep within each and every one of us. We can think of it in all sorts of ways. We go, well, who, who can come to the Father's house? And on what basis? Like, can anyone come? Or do you have to be good? Do you have to be Anglican? Do you have to be religious? I'll tell you what happens in my observation in churches. And forgive me if this is not where you are, but this is what I've observed. We often start coming to God on, as though it's, we're coming to the Father's house on the basis of grace. We realize we're a mess. We come on in and we go, oh, it's wonderful to be forgiven. Yes, thank you, Jesus. And then over time, we slowly start to change and to think, actually, the reason I can keep coming back to God is because I'm good, or because I'm moral, or because I've sorted out my stuff, because I'm well self-actualized, because I'm vaguely sexually moral, because I give a certain amount of my money away, because I'm not like these other sinners out there. And so subtly inside each of our hearts is a tendency to do exactly what the religious leaders were doing, which is to say, you come to God on the basis of your performance. There's a radicalness about grace that we find offensive, isn't it? Because I come into the Father's house all messy, and he cleans me up, and then I want to make sure others don't come in and mess it up for me and for us. <laughs> and I start to think, oh, well, if, you know, no, 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 God's, God's grace. We, we get in 
This is Jesus, the whole point. We get in on the basis of grace. We stay in on the basis of grace. We keep coming back. Um, the first step in the transformation of religion and of the human heart and of healing of humanity is to cleanse the temple of our hearts and the inclinations of our hearts and to, get and, and to regularly let Jesus come through with his whip and drive out any hint in us that says, I'm, I come to the Father's house because of what I bring, because of how good I am, my ethnicity, my religion, my morality, my sexual orientation, my marital status, my fecundity, whatever it might be. Like you, you got, and, and it creeps in. It's one of the reasons I love the recovery movement. Uh, once you realize you're an addict, you realize you, come in, you go into an AA group or an NA group or one of the recovery groups and, and you always go, we all come in acknowledging, everybody comes in going, you know, hi, my name's Mark, I'm an alcoholic, whatever it might be. There's no pretense. You always realize you're not in there because you're sober. You're in there because you, you're an alcoholic. <laughs> we come to the Father. So, so you've got to let Jesus come in and drive that out. Because otherwise we get proud and we get exclusionary. We get judgmental. Or we get full of despair. I mean, I've been... I, I, should we have a... Have a show of hands. How many of you think on the basis of your own merit right now you are fully acceptable to God because of your religious performance? How many of you have totally sorted out all your stuff and all your relationships work perfectly now? And I mean, I'm, I, I have this problem, right? I have many problems. This is cheaper than therapy for me, um, so let me just keep going. Um, I've been a follower of Jesus now for like 37 years. I've been running churches for 25 years. It's easy for me to think that the Father, that my place in the Father's house comes because I've sorted my stuff out. And there's a lot of social pressure to have my stuff sorted out. And at one level, that's not bad. But what I need, if I actually want to be spiritually healthy and a follower of Jesus, I need to let him into my life to clean out that tendency and say, no, no, it's always grace. And that's hard for me because there's stuff I struggle with that I struggled with when I was 15 that I still struggle with. Like my humility, it's just overwhelming and causes others to be full of envy at my humility. I mean, it's just such a struggle for me. <laughs> So, well, so what do I do with that? Well, I go, well, it's always, you know, the father's, like, you always run the family homes always there. Well, until they die, and then it's not. And that's really hard. In my life, uh, my grandparents, in, in all the chaos of my upbringing, my grandparents had a, they lived in Switzerland, and that was the place we always went back to. We always went back to. And I knew whatever chaos, at the end of every year, whatever chaos had ensued in the year, um, the war in Rhodesia and family chaos and my dad's chaos. Uh, we'd get on this plane from, you know, in Africa. And then we'd get off the plane. <laughs> we'd get off the plane in Geneva and it would just be peace. And then we'd go home and there was always the same ritual. And that was, 
That was home. And, I, and it's not like my grandparents would ever say, oh, have you been good this year, Mark? Can you come in? And I kept going back even, you know, as a young adult before, after my grandfather had died. And you just go, that's home, right? You say, it was never any, even when, I, even when I let my grandmother down tremendously by giving up medicine <laughs> and going to study theology. I, and that was a massive disappointment for her. But it never, she, she never said, no, you can't come home. <laughs> Once when she was 93, I turned up in Switzerland with um, three friends. I organized, these guys were traveling from Australia. And I just said, oh, why don't you just come and stay with us in Montreux? <laughs> and my poor old 93-year-old grandmother in a two-bedroom apartment. And these friends just arrive and crash on the floor. And she didn't kick me out. She's just she's at home, right? Now, of course, the tragedy is, then she dies. And I don't have a home to go to anymore. <laughs> uh, but I do have a home. I've got my father's house. And it's a home that'll never, where, where, where my heavenly father's never going to die. And so I can't go back there. And every bit of longing that you and I have to be in a place where we're continually always welcomed and accepted, that's available for us, right? Not on the basis of what we do. We can't turn it into a hotel. It's always a home. Isn't that wonderful? Now, uh, so the first thing that has to happen, let you, and just take a stock take, am I coming to God because it's a contract and am I keeping other people, am I saying to other people the way you come to God is contractually to gain entrance to his hotel? Clear out the tables and the money changes from my heart, O oh Lord. And then what happens is he's got to build a whole new way. How do I then come to the Father's house? And then Jesus does this weird thing. He says, well, here's what I'm going to do, fellas. Um, the Jews responded. Uh, he, he says, he, says um, he chucks them out. The Jews say, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? That's like us saying, uh, hey, you saying to me, Mark, but every... Other religion in the world has a contractual relationship with God. What authority? How can Jesus possibly say God will accept you and me no matter what we've done, who we've done it with, how often we've done it with whom? Uh, he says, no. How, who can you, how can, what authority have you got? And Jesus goes, well, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. And they replied, what the? It's in the Aramaic um, it's taken 46 years to build this temple, uh, and uh, you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he'd spoken of was his body. So you know what he's saying? He's saying, you know what turns the house of God into a home, not a hotel? It's because God himself is the meeting place who has died to pay the price to fulfill the contract to win for us free access into the Father's house. Jesus has paid it all. He's done everything, everything that we couldn't do, every, every possible dumb thing that might exclude us from the Father's house. Jesus has taken onto himself and it destroyed him. And now he says, because of that, you can come in. I'm the God. Jesus is the meeting place between humanity and divinity. And, and, at, and that meeting place is a meeting place of pure acceptance. 
because in Jesus Christ, God himself was suffering and dying in order to open up a way home for us. I mean, he's, you know, he's, he, he does it all for us. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, 32 years on, I still stuff up. Every single stuff up of mine is forgiven on the same basis that my first stuff ups were because Jesus died for me. And he died for you. And he rose again for you. And he rose again that everyone and anyone can come into the Father's home and experience God as Father. Whether you're a Muslim or Buddhist or secular or atheist or agnostic or straight or gay, slave or free, rich or poor. Like the door's wide, wide, wide open. The door to the Father's house is far wider open than any of us can possibly imagine. All we've got to do is want to come in on the basis of grace, not race and achievement. All we've got to want to do is say yes to Jesus and then keep saying, just say yes. Just So that's it. House or hotel, contract or covenant. And then I'll try and make it, I'm going to draw a bow to connect this to Father's Day. <laughs> hey, in your parenting, what you want to do is, as you experience this covenantal connection with God, you want your kids to know that as well. Radical, unconditional, sacrificial, always welcoming, always there, love for your kids. Dads, you need to say to your kids regularly, look them in the eye and go, nothing you can do can make me love you any more and nothing you can do can make me love you any less. And you've got to believe that and you've got to live that. And they need to hear it from you, dads. And, and they don't just need to hear it when they're little, they need to hear it when they're two and when they're five and when they're 15 and when they're 22. And when they've crashed the car. <laughs> and when they've woken you up at three in the morning coming home, not that this ever happens. And you hear them talking to God on the great white telephone, calling out, Ralph! When they're, when they're little and when they're big, to say that. So the best gift you and I can give our kids as men, as dads, is in our heart of hearts to know that we've experienced this grace of God and then to know that our kids and our partners, our wives, are loved in that way by us. Yeah, radical, unconditional acceptance on the basis of grace. Who doesn't want to be loved like that? I see a few tears, mostly in you. I mean, it would never happen to me. Um, because we know how much we need this kind of love. And the beauty of, the, of Christianity is it's available to us now. And then we know how much the kids coming up need it as well. And, and we, can, we can show them that love. Eh, you're not going to do it perfectly. 
you can do it well enough. Let's pray. Uh, oh, Lord, um, we invite you this morning to clear the temple of our hearts where we, where we think and function as though it's up to us and what we do and what we bring to you that makes us acceptable and worthwhile as human beings and earns us a place in your home. Clear that out from us. And fill us today, each of us in this space, with a, a fresh trust in and wonder at your incredible, incredible love. That, that in Christ we can come home to our Father's house and we can live there welcomed, secure, loved, healed, renewed. And as we experience that, may we go out into this world and, and be men and women of such love. Starting with our own kids, and grandkids, and then expanding out to all those we come in contact with. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.